Today, I want to tell you the story of a beatitude in real life, and then ask you to think, how might your life become a real beatitude? Greatest teacher who ever lived, the greatest talk ever given said, what's insurmountable in this world, not your problems, your challenges, your pain. We're going to read about those today. Um, it's the actual, real, available presence of God's kingdom God's love and God's care with you right there. Every teacher has wrestled with what is the good life and who is it available to. No one has ever impacted the world the way that Jesus did. And his answer was the good life is the life that is lived uh, permeated by the love of God. And there is no one who is shut off from that. So um, everything the world says about who alone has access to the good life, the rich, the beautiful, and the powerful, and the famous. And so he just turns it all upside down. Blessed, 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 now you. Um, we're going to take a little break. We, we, we finished the, the chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5. And so a little break, and then Matthew 6, and then Matthew 7. My hope for you is that in between, you'll continue to live in the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe keep reading through Matthew 5. Um each day, just try to put something into practice. We will see when we get to that last chapter. Jesus just hammers on, man, if you think it does any good to hear my words and not put them into practice, your house is going to fall apart. You are going down the wrong road. You got the wrong kind of tree. So uh doesn't have to be obsessive. doesn't have to just to seek to put into practice. So I'm going to give us a few days to just absorb this remarkable fifth chapter Salt of the earth, light of the world, the surpassing kind of goodness, righteousness. You have heard it said when it comes to anger, sexuality, how you use words, what to do with people that hurt you. Here's another way. And today I want to tell you this story. I come back to this story every couple of years. It was written a long time ago by a friend of mine. He was a brilliant guy, got a PhD in Cambridge, and he met this woman and he didn't know, like all of us in the fellowship of the withered hand, he would end up having to face uh, indescribable loss many years later. And pretty much all of us hit those moments when our lives don't look so blessed. Um, and so uh, that's the story that he writes here. This came out in a book that he wrote way before I started writing books. It was endorsed by a uh, philosophy prof at USC that I had never met by the name of Dallas Willard. And uh, when Dallas endorsed his book, he wrote, Wait till you hear about Mabel. The state-run convalescent hospital is not a pleasant place. It is large, understaffed, overfilled with senile and helpless and lonely people who are waiting to die. On the brightest of days, it seems dark inside, and smells of sickness and stale urine. I went there once or twice a week for four years, but never wanted to go there, always left with a sense of relief. It's not the kind of place one gets used to. It's not associated with the word blessed in our world. On this particular day, I was walking down a hallway I'd not visited before, looking in vain for a few who were alive enough to receive a flower and a few words of encouragement. This hallway seemed to contain some of the worst cases, strapped onto carts or into wheelchairs, looking completely helpless. 
As I neared the end of this hallway, I saw an old woman strapped up in a wheelchair. Her face was an absolute horror. The empty stare and white pupils of her eyes told me she was blind. The large hearing aid over one ear told me that she was deaf. One side of her face was being eaten by cancer. There was a discolored and running sore covering part of one cheek, and it had pushed her nose to one side, dropped one eye, distorted her jaw, so that what should have been the corner of her mouth was the bottom of her mouth. As a consequence, she drooled constantly. I was later told that when new nurses arrived, the supervisors would send them to feed this woman, thinking if they could stand this sight, they could stand anything in the building. I also learned later that this woman was 89 years old and that she had been here bedridden, blind, nearly deaf, and alone for 25 years. This was Mabel. Blessed? Blessed? What world do we live in? I don't know why I spoke to her. She looked less likely to respond than most of the people I saw in the hallway. But I put a flower in her hand and said, here's a flower for you. Happy Mother's Day. She held the flower up to her face and tried to smell it. And then she spoke, and much to my surprise, her words although somewhat garbled because of her deformity, were obviously produced by a clear mind. She said, thank you, it's lovely, but can I give it to someone else? I can't see it, you know, I'm blind. I said, of course. I pushed her in her chair back down the hallway to a place where I thought I could find some alert patients. I found one. I stopped the chair. Mabel held out the flower and said, here, this is from Jesus. That was when it began to dawn on me. This is not an ordinary human being. Blessed, blessed. Later, I wheeled her back to her room and learned more about her history. She'd grown up on a small farm that she managed with only her mother till her mother died. Then she ran the farm alone until 1950, when her blindness and sickness sent her to the convalescent hospital. For 25 years, she got weaker and sicker, Constant headaches, backaches, stomach aches, and then the cancer came. Her three roommates were all human vegetables who screamed occasionally but never talked. They often soiled their bedclothes. And because the hospital was understaffed, especially on Sundays when I usually visited, the stench was often overpowering. Mabel and I became friends over the next few years, and I went to see her once or twice a week for the next three years. Her first words to me were usually an offer of hard candy from a tissue box near her bed. Some days, I would read to her from the Bible, and often when I would pause, she would continue reciting the passage from memory word for word. Other days, I would take a book of hymns and sing with her, and she would know all the words of the old songs. For Mabel, these were not merely exercises in memory. She would often stop in mid-hymn, and make a brief comment about lyrics she considered particularly relevant to her own situation. I never heard her speak of loneliness or pain, except in the stress she placed on certain lines in certain hymns. It was not many weeks before 
I turned from a sense that I was being helpful to a sense of wonder. And I would go to her with a pen and paper to write down the things she would say. During one hectic week of final exams, I was frustrated because my mind seemed to be pulled in ten directions at once with all the things I had to think about. The question occurred to me, what does Mabel have to think about? Hour after hour, day after day, week after week, not even able to know if it's day or night. So I went to her and asked, Mabel, what do you think about when you lie there? And she said, I think about my Jesus. I sat there and thought for a moment about the difficulty for me of thinking about Jesus for even five minutes. And I asked, what do you think about Jesus? She replied slowly and deliberately as I wrote, I think about how good he's been to me. Blessed, blessed, blessed. He's been awfully good to me in my life, you know. I'm one of those kind who's mostly satisfied. Lots of folks wouldn't care much for what I think. Lots of folks would think I'm kind of old-fashioned. But I don't care. I'd rather have Jesus. He's all the world to me. And then Mabel began to sing an old hymn, Jesus is all the world to me, my life, my joy, my all. He is my strength from day to day. Without him, I would fall. When I'm sad, to him I go. No other one can cheer me so. When I am sad, he makes me glad. He's my friend. And then when my friend writes, this is not fiction. Incredible as it may seem, a human being really lived like this. I know. I knew her. How could she do it? Seconds ticked and minutes crawled, and so did days and weeks and months and years of pain without human company and without an explanation of why it was all happening. And she lay there and sang hymns. How could she do it? And of course, this is exactly what Jesus said 2,000 years ago. Blessed. Blessed. People regarded by folks in our world as hopeless cases. The rejected, the forgotten, the isolated, the, the alone, the useless, the elderly, the ailing. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. For theirs, now, now, is the kingdom of heaven. You can come right on and live in it if you want to, with Jesus as your friend. So that's your song for today. When I am sad, he makes me glad he's my friend. Make it a golden rule day. You've been listening to Become New with John Orpert, where you can receive 10 minutes of daily teaching about the person you're becoming. If you like what you're hearing, you can head on over to our website, becomenew.com, where John has over 710 minute teachings on the person you're becoming, cataloged in 20 different series covering a range of topics you might be interested in. If you'd like to receive the emails that go along with each episode that include extra resources and discussion questions, you can let us know at becomenew.com slash subscribe. 
Lastly, if you have a prayer request, there's a team of us who meet each weekday to pray for listeners just like yourself. You can send your specific request to us at the number 855-888-0444. I'm glad you're here, and we'll catch you next time.